Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 391 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm your co-host, and I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, where you'll find writing courses and a wonderfully supportive writing community. I'm here with Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of The Firestar, A Maven and Reeve Mystery, plus many other book series, but that's the latest one. How are you, Al? I'm I'm okay. Thanks for asking, Val. Good old. What's been happening in our world? Uh, well, you might remember last time we chatted, I was organising my tax oh, and yeah. <laughs> uh, dreaming of the day that I installed Expensify oh, or yeah. whatever it was you told me <laughs> on my phone for next time. Um, so that happened. Um, what else happened? Oh, you know what's happened? This makes everything a little bit more real. Okay. Is that the second Maven and Reeve mystery <gasps> has appeared on Booktopia without, oh, wow. without its cover. The cover's coming soon. Um, but I, I revealed the name of it in my newsletter last time, but I don't, have I actually told you what it's called yet? <laughs> you must tell all our listeners. It's called The Wolf's Howl. That's awesome, isn't it? It is awesome. And the cover is amazing. I have seen the cover mm-hmm. um, and it is quite extraordinary. I can't wait to share it with everybody when the when the moment is right. But, um, yes, it's called The Wolf's Howl, A Maven and Reeve Mystery, Book 2, and it is coming out on the 3rd of August, 2021. Exciting. Uh, it's all very, very exciting. So that happened like that makes it feel it's kind of weird like you've written this whole book you've edited yeah. this whole book you've been through this whole all this process you've seen the cover concepts you've done all this stuff and then it starts to appear mm. you know in the online shops mm. and it's very exciting you can pre-order it right now if you want to even if you want the whole you know even without the cover go ahead feel free <laughs> how exciting that's great and so where are you are you writing book three you are writing book three uh, no, I'm actually not writing book three at the moment. What mm-hmm. I'm doing at the moment is I have another story that I wrote, gosh, maybe last year, I think. Right. Beginning of last year. Yeah, I think it was about the beginning of last year. Um, and I'm actually, I've kind of like moved my focus back to that. And I'm working through some, I, I'm going through a big edit process on that book at the moment oh, to cool. see if maybe that will be. Um, another book it's it's a standalone at the moment um Mm. it does have the potential you know to for a second for a sequel or whatever if if um if if that happened but at the moment it's a standalone story and um yeah so I'm working on that it's exciting one of those things where you know you you write all these things and I think we've talked about this a lot but nothing's ever wasted sometimes the thing that's going to really just you know flip that book over into being something that you want to pursue again mm. you know is something different happening in the world or you mm. know whatever you're never quite sure so anyway that's what I'm doing at the moment I'm I'm going to be working my way through that so I'm back to editing again I feel like I've spent my life editing the last <laughs> last year or so but anyway that's where I am but that's good um, to be editing because it means that the manuscript has been written because you've got something to edit that's right. Uh, that's right. And you know, everything's a bit busy at the moment. And my um, my older son is doing Year Twelve this year. He's doing his HSC, wow. and my younger son is in Year Nine. And I, I know remember that I when he was non-existent. 
I, I know, <laughs> I know, and now he's in year 12. And, you know, my younger son is in year nine and I know that there's every parent out there who I don't even have to say any more than that, that yeah. I have a son in year nine, year nine. for them yep. to know exactly where I am. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so it's good for me to actually not be trying. I'm, I'm pleased that I'm not trying to, you know, create something out of the ether at the moment. Mm. It's good to have something that I can work on because it's – um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit busy in my brain right now. Mm-mm. Anyway. What about you? What have you been up to? Has there been more bubble wrap? Is there any other <laughs> exciting other are there other exciting stories of excess you would like to share with us, Valerie? Well, I do have a story of excess for today because people may know that I love the cronut shop, but they often disappoint with no cronuts. Mm-hmm. And I think secretly I love the cronut shop because every time I go there I say, get thee to a the cronuttery. Is that it? Is that like you only go there to say that? Don't <laughs> Get you? Me to the anyway, oh, oh, sorry. Really? Oh, but went there okay. today. It was open. It looked like it had cronuts in the window. Had to line up for quite a while. And when I got to the front, there were no cronuts. So that's really disappointing. There were, however, donuts, really quite fancy ones. And because I was so excited that they actually had something, even though it was not my first choice, I spent $27. (laughs) You spent $27 on donuts. Just to to clarify, $27. This is like the bubble wrap all over again. And some um, hot crust buns. And um, I'm now in a sugar coma. However, I realize that has very little to do with writing and I can definitely probably because of my sugar coma not write for the rest of the day because I'm off with the fairies. <laughs> but what I can do and what I have been doing and it's um, been giving me great joy is going through the program of the Sydney Writers Festival. Ah, yes, so, it's good, isn't it? It's yes, it is pretty good. And yeah. I'm, I'm like a few years ago, there was a stage where, you know, for consecutive years, it was so jam-packed and so good that I had to spreadsheet it. That was the only way I could actually <laughs> deal. Right. <laughs> anyway, the spreadsheet kind of fell by the wayside. I think there were more repeats in the program and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but this year, while the spreadsheet is not back, it's almost back, you know what I mean? Wow. And okay. I've done a lot of bookings and and you have to do a lot more bookings this year because I assume they're ticketing more things because of, um, you know, COVID uh, and they need to have clarity on the numbers. Um, but that's okay. Um, so I've done all of that and I want to give a big shout out to um because you know the, the the writers festival has got big names in it you know yeah. um malcolm knox michael robrock botham michelle de Kretzer, tom Keneally, helen garner like big names <clears throat> these are just a fraction of them oh, of but they also feature they are also featuring some awc grads so Woo-hoo. nat amore um she is in one of the sessions heading up one of the sessions Francis Chapman and Jenna Guillaume, both of whom have been on the podcast as well, um, yep. they're in another session. So they're, you know, some fantastic um, opportunities for AWC grads to be up there in lights along the along with, you know, the big names. The That's big names exciting. Tri- yeah, you know. That's very exciting. So um, that is very exciting. So I think that it'll be really fun to bump. I love the serendipity that occurs um often at the sydney writers festival happens a lot when it used to be at the wharf it still happens at carriage works um uh and and i love how you bump into people 
And then, you know, you might go for a coffee or something like that. Mm. Um, People in the writing community. And that's one of the most fun parts as well. When you're not in one of the sessions, just bumping into the people, browsing the books. It's a great atmosphere. The good thing about it being in CourageWorks is that when it rains, it's not so stressful as it was when it was the wharf. But, (laughs) you know, the wharf was a lovely, lovely spot. It was beautiful, wasn't Mm. it? But, yeah, it was not overly practical in some ways especially if it rains um and i love the fact that because uh, for y- years like a decade it was sort of smack bang in the middle of my birthday which was really kind of a slightly annoying because i couldn't really mm. you know but now i think since last year or the year before well not last year nothing happened last year but <laughs> the year before we got moved forward um that's made me a lot happier so that i can you know. Well, you know, we just we live to serve you, Valerie. So we're all very happy about that. That's fantastic. Very, very good. Um, speaking of writing workshops and things, I just wanted to also let people know if you are a South Coast Illawarra, Shaw Haven kind of locally yes. kind of person, that I'm actually going to be presenting a workshop. Uh, in the school holidays uh, as part awesome. of the South Coast Writers' Centre's school holiday program. Um, it's going to be on the 12th of April. It's writing fantasy. Yes. It's for kids aged 9 to 14. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, obviously creating fabulous characters, building worlds mm. and writing epic stories. So I'm really looking forward to that. If you've got someone in that sort of age group who's a keen writer, um, I'll put the link in the show notes, uh, but you can uh, find out more information at the South Coast Writers' Centre website. Um, yeah, and it's at the t- on the 12th of April at Coaldale Community Hall. Now, I don't know oh, if you've been to Coaldale, but it's a, it's a great spot. It's so beautiful up there. I love yes. that whole part of the coast. It's so amazing. Um, so, yeah, so that's where I'll be if you want to, you know, pin Fantastic. me down at any point. Yeah. And, of course, any. Any workshop run by Allison would be fantastic, but yeah, oh, this yeah. is going to be amazing. This is a good one. Writing I tweeted fantasy. about it, and I had all these people say, "Can I pretend to be nine to fourteen so I can well, come?" Yeah, there's that. <laughs> it's and like maybe I should do this for adults at some point <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and also, of course, we have mentioned you know Sydney Writers Festival, and this is on the south coast of New South Wales. If you're not in any of those areas, make sure you check out some of the fantastic online opportunities and online yeah, courses and workshops definitely. that we're running at the Australia. Writer Center, go to writercenter.com.au and there'll there's bound to be one. I think it's fantastic that we we had a creative coaching session with um Angela Slatter and Pamela Freeman the other night and there were 380 people on it. So I know I saw that and I was great. just like, wow, that's yes. amazing. Yeah, that was really fun to see so many people from the writing community. But rest assured, when you join an actual class, it is much smaller. There are not that it's many like people. <laughs> anywhere between 10 to 20 people, yeah. So it's you, you You really get to know each other. All right, let's move on to, ah, have to mention something. We what? have a very exciting new copywriting membership coming soon called Copy Club. So maybe you're curious about branching into the world of copywriting or maybe starting a side hustle as a freelance copywriter, you know, after your day job, or perhaps you're already writing content for, you know, either your own organization, I mean, that you're employed by or small businesses or brands, but you want to kind of up-level your skills. Well, whatever the situation you're in, Copy Club is potentially your new best friend. It is a curated program led by the wonderful copywriting guru, Bernadette Schwert, uh, and you'll be able to 
ask all of your questions. She'll be answering them in Ask Me Anythings and that sort of thing. She has a bunch of fantastic tutorials and she's going to be adding regular tutorials and coaching sessions as well to members of the club. And it's a great way also to build your professional network with other copywriters or other emerging copywriters. So there's going to be a special VIP offer only when we open copy club doors and it's a never to be repeated special launch offer so register your interest at copyclub.com.au and check out all the information at copyclub.com.au to find out more all right now our competition this week our giveaway we have uh, the awesome five book pack which is um, a great pack that contains Honeybee by Craig Sylvie, Hideout by Jack Heath, Elizabeth and Elizabeth by Sue Williams, The Shaman by Roland Perry, and The World at My Feet by Catherine Isaac. And you get a chance to win all five books in this giveaway. Just go to writercenter.com.au slash win um, and entries close on the 29th of March. That's writercenter.com.au slash win and follow the instructions to enter this competition. Now, Al, mm. are you ready for the word of the week? Oh, Valerie, always ready. Okay. Quandum. Mm. <laughs> Q. <laughs> okay. Not condom. Q-U. <laughs> Q-U-O-N-D-A-M. Mm. Quandum. Mm. Mm. Do you know what no it is? No idea. No. Okay. Are you going to tell me it's an exotic fruit or something? Well, it sounds like another word, condom. <laughs> mm. um, or a word like quantum sounds like it could be related to accounting or maths, you know, because it sort of sounds like quantity. But mm. according to the Macquarie Dictionary, it's an adjective meaning formerly was or existed. Hmm. So... Mm. You see it used in business as in the quantum CEO criticised the decisions of the current CEO. Or you could say the quantum president is now playing a lot of golf. Mm. You could say that, but you wouldn't. <laughs> You'd say former, wouldn't you? Well, it does come from the Latin meaning formally. Mm. So, yes, but it's a good word. It sound, I think it does sound like a fruit. It does. Well. Like, isn't there a fruit called? Isn't there a fruit called a quandong? Is that oh, what I'm yes, thinking of? That's right. I'm going to Google that right now. Yes, it's a versatile, a versatile outback superfood. There you go. Oh. The desert quandong is okay. a hemiparasitic plant in the sandalwood family, which is widely dispersed throughout the central deserts and southern areas of Australia. There oh. you go. The, but yeah. that is not a quandong. That is a quandong. <laughs> so yeah that's right quantum not have gone down that road anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and that was the word of the week this podcast is brought to you by the australian writers center and our popular course creative writing stage one this course is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing you'll learn how to create memorable characters believable dialogue and captivating plots all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Let's hear from Sarah Bailey. My name's Sarah Bailey. Um, I've got a debut novel through Alan and Umlin out at the moment. It's called The Dark Lake. It's a crime thriller. 
I was working in advertising at the time and I was working at a great company and had a really sort of good career, but I just had this burning desire to write all the time. I'd heard really good things about the Australian Writer Centre's course. Um, the reviews were always really positive and people always sort of providing really good feedback on social media. So um, I just thought that was a really good place for me to start. I found Nicole Hayes, the tutor that I had in the course that I did through the Australian Writer Centre, really inspiring. Um, really down-to-earth um, teaching style, but just a really great way of um, pulling together some of the writing skills that she's picked up over the years. She had such a passion for narrative and structure um, and being a published author, she had some, some really practical um, advice and knowledge to share as well. The process for me was just setting my own deadlines, which was something that was covered off in the Australian Writer Centre's course as well. Went, this is how many words I'd like to have by these different points along the year and then I um, just worked towards getting the words down and then I sort of um, approached agents and then the agents helped me approach publishers. In the end when Alan and Unwin decided to publish the novel and um, that was all confirmed, it was, it was amazing. It was just such an amazing um, experience to go through and I felt really fortunate um, but also really proud because it had obviously been you know, a really hard, um, hard sort of journey to get there. Through the course at the Australian Writers' Centre, I discovered that writing was something that was really, really important to me. And then of course, you know, through meeting the people and the tutor that I had, I also picked up a lot of really invaluable skills as well. I think it really just set me off on the right path. Um, and then since then, obviously, so much has happened in my world in terms of writing that I really do see it as the first step um, that, I, that I took along that path. It's amazing. I've, I feel very, very fortunate to be in the position where that's, that's my current life. So I think that was a, that was hugely important um, in terms of getting getting started. Definitely, anyone who's interested in writing and sort of taking a, a, a more serious step toward that as a career or even just a, a more specific hobby, I think the Australian Writer Centre's courses are really worthwhile. I think it's just it's always nice to be um, in an environment where people are passionate about what you're passionate about. Um, and I think that the, um, the skills and the information that you get from, from courses like that just, just help you sort of really focus. For me, the creative writing course was, was a great starting point. I think it just made me um, rediscover my love for writing at a basic level all over again. Um, so I think that I've definitely spoken to other friends and have suggested that they give it a shot. If you'd like to find out more, go to writerscentre.com.au slash creativewriting. All right, so let's move on to our writer in residence this week. I spoke to Kate Quinn. Now, some mm -hmm. people may be familiar with her as C.S. Quinn, who writes on um, historical fiction, and she's also known as Catherine Quinn because um, she, she's also been a travel and lifestyle journalist for places like The Guardian, The Times, and, and so on. But under Kate Quinn, she writes thrillers. Oh, and uh, she's very busy. She is so busy. And wow. um, she's here to chat to us about her latest thriller, Black Widows. Thanks for joining us today, Kath. Thanks for having me. Your book. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay. <laughs> Where to start? Where to start? For those readers who haven't got a copy of your book yet, Black Widows, um, tell us what it's about. The book is about uh, a polygamist marriage, a, a plural marriage, so three wives and one husband um, made for religious reasons. Uh, the family uh, choose to live out in the wilds of Utah in a self-sustainable kind of ranch setup. And one day the husband is found 
brutally murdered and only one of the wives could have done it. And that's where we start with the book, un- unpicking the wives' relationships with one another and how they felt about the husband and, and his death. What made you think of this? Because you live in London <laughs> and uh, three wives in the wilds of Utah is so far removed from your current life. How in the world did you think of this and why did you want to write it? Well, I had fundamental Christianity in, in the family growing up, um, not as a very central part of my family, but definitely something I was aware of. And that was something it was always kind of bubbling along in the background. It always seemed to have um, be where the rifts and the drama was coming from, actually. Mm. Uh, and, and also uh, was it some Mormons. I mean, I, th- I think most, most people do uh, Latter-day Saints, uh, is, I think is the preferred term in America, but in the UK, we say Mormons. So it was always something very much of interest. I had never really associated it with polygamy or plural marriages, because that's not a standard practice nowadays. Mm. Uh, but there was a certain, uh, there was, I think everybody is interested in polygamy uh, generally. It's just what, well, if you're not polygamous or plurally married, it's something you're like, how, how the heck does that work? Um, and I saw a documentary, there was a little spate of documentaries in the UK. Um, and one of the documentaries, it was really focused on the sister wives and their relationships with one another. And I mm. found it so interesting how they, none of them had a bad word to say about the husband, but all of them were very open about how difficult they found living with another wife. Um, and and one of them just had this flash in her eye at one point, this micro expression almost. And I thought, oh my, she could kill someone. She really could. It felt like this repressed rage and I all that drama and those emotions. And I just thought I would love to write about this. Um, and I did put it off for some time because I was worried I, I wouldn't do it justice. And um, I, I took a lot of research and coming back and forth. But yeah, yeah that, that was my inspiration. So tell us about the research because, I mean, the reality is that Sister Wives in Utah is a far cry from fundamentalist Christianity in the UK. So what kind of research did you have to do? Because it just jumps off the page. It's so real. You you feel like you're there. You You feel like these characters are really real. I want to know all the kinds of research you had to do to not only describe the place, to get the sense of place, but to get the 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 people and they they seem so of that place if you know what I mean yeah oh thanks so much I mean I I suppose with the characters they're certainly archetypes aren't they but in in terms of the um the research so it it was a lot of fun because it's a fascinating subject so Mm. what did I do let me see so uh first of all obviously I read everything I could on on the subject saw a lot of documentaries on the subject um I spoke to people uh, at the temple in Salt Lake City, you know, that, that the big church, like they have this enormous, like a cathedral, um, almost the center of their faith um, building. Uh, I spoke to um, a sister wife and I also had email contact with um, a, another lady, two people who were kind enough to talk to me. Uh, and then I also watched, I, I didn't manage to get out to Utah for the book. I'm a travel journalist, so I've been to, a lot of places and this absolutely killed me. I had my kids were really small at the time and I did all the maths and I'm like, I just can't leave them for two weeks because they were so small. Mm. Uh, so, so, and in a way I think maybe that helped because I, I was so determined to get it right that I then had to sort of like really double down on, I would like watch hours and hours and hours of drive throughs on YouTube and wow. uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, uh, I was amazing. The videos people make. <laughs> yes. Um, Actually, it's the funny thing with COVID as well is I think it's pushed us to, to really understand that, that you can um, do a lot of stuff without leaving your home, you know. But I, I essentially approached it as I would. I, I'm a historical novelist 
Mm. prior to this book and I Mm. approached it the same way that I would a historical novel so the same attention that I would bring to researching 18th century London I brought that to you know I used all the resources at my disposal I read everything but with this I could watch things on tv it was incredible you know (laughs) wow that is so true I went downstairs the other day and I said to my partner what are you watching and he said oh dash cam videos oh my god really (laughs) so you wrote this without having been to Utah that's and and you did all of this incredibly comprehensive research. So you, when you say you spoke to and interviewed some sister wives, um, how did you find them? Uh, it, it wasn't uh, too difficult actually. There's 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 a, a number of internet forums. Um, I mean, it's so so I should make the point actually that I should at the beginning that it's not standard or um, usual for Latter-day Saints or Mormons to be plurally or polygamously married. Mm. Um, it's unusual and it's actually illegal in, in Utah. Um, although I think the law is changing. Um, so there are kind of forums and places where people would go anonymously. So I, so I, so I am anonymous about the people that I spoke to, but, um, that, uh, that they would go to talk about their their issues, often their legal issues, um, not not so much their relationship issues. Actually, it tends to be more about you know uh, there's protest movements and people will go on mass to protest against the fact that they can't legally marry who, oh. who they want to marry. Essentially, wow. And so this research period, you kind of knew. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna. I, I have a premise, um, and then I'm gonna do all this research. How long did you research for and at what point did you know what was going to be in the plot or did you discover that as you started to write? Um, so I, I started to write the, I, I probably wrote the first quarter of the book, let's say, <clears throat> excuse me, in a in a mad frenzy because it was just so much fun to write. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, and, and then went away because so the characters came quite, quite naturally really because I think they are kind of quite archetypal women um and and how they related to one another really informed their characters you know because they're they're women who who individually I think you could like any 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 or either one of them Mm -hmm. but you could also see how whilst you might like them together they might really annoy <laughs> or bother um, one another. Um, so, so I, yeah, so I wrote a lot of it in a mad sort of world, and then I stopped and did a, a ton of research. I mean, probably the time I would spend researching is probably sixty to seventy percent of the time I would spend on a book. I, I write pretty fast, so so it's normally a lot of what the sort of brain work I do is the researching part. Mm. Um, and then I came back and wrote the end. I think sort of. Um, it was definitely a kind of, I used to be very plot driven. I used to be very, um, I mean, I still am plot driven, but I, I used to plan everything out, you know, have everything completely planned. And, mm. and then what I found was you kind of write yourself into knots almost, you know, mm. you kind of get yourself to the end and realize actually this isn't that feasible when you're in the room as it were. So now I'm a bit more, try and stay a bit more loose with it. So I didn't know when I started writing who the killer was. Mm. And so you mentioned they are, archetypes but in case there's some really brand new newbies can you explain (laughs) what you mean by that oh sure yeah so so what I mean by that I guess uh is they they the characters of the women represent something inside human psyche which we can sort of all relate to so so in the case of the the main wife that the um 
I say, say wife one, mm. <laughs> the head wife, head wife, Rachel. Mm. Uh, she is the classic obedient. She is devout. She is religious. She is honest. And I think that's something that everyone can quite readily understand that, that, mm. per, those, that combination of characteristics in a person. Um, the second wife, Emily, is possibly a bit more complex. She's more on the kind of slightly fantasist type she's young she's she's a young wife and she's maybe not quite got out of that teenage um strange fantasy in her head kind of land Mm -hmm. um and the third wife tina is uh she's an ex-drug addict ex uh prostitute from vegas which again i think most people will obviously she's more nuanced than that when you get to know her Mm. but as an immediate picture most people will have an image in their head of what that might represent Mm. Now, they've got, you know, different personalities, they've got different backgrounds, and you write from their different points of view. Um, And what did you do from a character building um, uh, exercise or character building um, approach? How did you develop them? Did you, were they, you know, fully formed in your brain when you started writing or did you keep like dossiers on them so you knew? Because they needed to have different backgrounds, different parents, different, you know, um, needs, different um, demands on, on them, that sort of thing, different family. So what did you do from to really get to know your characters? Um, well, once again, um, I, I think I used to start out with great big dossiers, you know, with, um, mm. so in my previous books I, I, and I would fill out whole character things and I would get their whole past down, everything like that, you know, and, and write all that before I even started writing. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but actually now what I found works for me better is I just write from the perspective of that character I, and 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 then I and then that that won't make it into the book so so I'll just write scenes and scenes and scenes and scenes so with these wives um there were a lot of arguments between them before you start reading the book that never made it into yeah. the book you know a lot, a lot of friction a lot of things and and actually in in so doing in that writing um of x amount of you know thousand words whatever mm. you, you, things pop up you know that that seem real that feel natural and actually i found that for me that works better i know everyone obviously mm. has their own technique and 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 the, the definitely the planning it out is a very successful one for a lot of people but that seems to work for me mm. so when you're writing about a murder um the the way that the plot unfolds is so important because so many things have to make sense especially when there are you know multiple suspects yeah um (laughs) what did you have to do or like how did you plan it all out do you use is it again is it in your head or do you use index cards or do you use like one of those pin boards or is there a particular method to make sure things are being revealed at the right spot so that the reader is keeping a good sense of pace and the reader is kept guessing effectively yeah, I, I am quite formulaic about that, actually. I, I do two mm. things. So I used I did used to have record cards, but now I use Scrivener, which is a piece of um, writing software, which so is good. essentially, yeah, essentially the same thing, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's like record cards, but they're just not all over your house. Um, yeah. And you can move them around easily. And uh, so I use Scrivener, but then I also, um, I've, I've read a book, which a lot of writers will be aware of called Save the Cat, which I'm, I'm sure you've come across, um, which is like a screenwriting mm. type book. Mm. And it has more or less a formula of when things should come within uh, a, a book or a, or a film in, in terms of, or a story rather, uh, in terms of where big reveals should be, where you should start ramping up the tension. Uh, so what I do is I, I have sort of put that 
formula that mm. that approach as a template onto Scrivener so ah. I roughly know yeah so as I'm writing on Scrivener so I roughly know I'm like okay so I'm meeting I'm me approaching what would be the midpoint you know so now I need something to spin on its on its axis and now I need to ramp up the tension so I, I find that really helpful right um, and do you use that in your historical novels as well I think I did. I think the last one, I think I did. The last two historical novels I would have used. I did some French Revolution ones. And I found, I think it's very helpful for, as a writer, most people, well, everybody will have an Achilles heel and it will be different for everybody, I guess. So for me, I tend to make the beginning a, a little bit too flabby. So it's been helpful for me to really cut that, you know, really keep my um, discipline on not putting too much in the beginning mm-hmm. and keep that tension going, you know, you could, um, revealing it later on. Now, did you always want to be a writer? Can you just give us a little bit of an idea of your journey from the start till about now, like some brief milestones, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. I I always wanted to be a writer, like since I can remember (laughs) the first thing I remember writing at school was they said what do you want to be when you grow up and I drew a picture of myself as a writer at a desk and it's what I've always 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 wanted to be I've always written stories um and I went I think I got a little bit um underconfident when I always did English and then it became clear in the kind of exam system that if you do a creative piece you don't necessarily pass whereas if you do a essay style piece you do you know it's like knocking the points off for an essay whereas creative is to do with how that person perceives it so I think I got a little bit waylaid by just that system interestingly Mm. um which is not so kind to creative people um but even so it's something I always wanted to do and I I I kept on writing I I became a journalist as a kind of an in way you know to kind of carry on writing whilst whilst thinking about this publishing thing but I was very underconfident with the with the publishing process I'm I'm not um of the establishment as it were in the UK and and it uh, there is a class system here and I did definitely feel as though um that was going to be a hard thing to crack um so it took me until my mid-20s to to write my first book and I deliberately made it historical because I I thought that would give me a better chance of getting published because I figured <laughs> less people would write historical books and I'd come from this histor- slightly historical um, English type background. So I published my first book called The Thief Taker um, and that did very well actually and, th- and then published, did a few more books whilst I was having my my children and then finally came to, to doing the thriller book which I probably might have maybe done in the first place if I'd had more more confidence but it took me, <laughs> it took me six books. Now technically the um, historical fiction is C.S. Quinn. Yeah. Technically, you're Catherine Quinn, but Black yeah. Widows is Kate Quinn. <laughs> yeah, now, there's something else in the mix, isn't there? Uh, you know, that's the, the, the silliest of stories, but basically <laughs> it's because my name was long, long for the cover and, and they said um, – Oh, can we cut? Can we cut it to Kath? And I said, sure, that's fine. That's normally what people call me anyway. Um, but then in America, apparently, Kath is not really recognised as a as a name. Oh, <laughs> in Australia, really? Kath is a name, right? But in, yes. in America, apparently not. So they said, can we make it Kate? But actually, um, a... we probably shouldn't have done that because there is another author called Kate Quinn with a K that I, you know, I hadn't heard of her, but she's I, I have now, and she's she's amazing. <laughs> um, and so I've act- we've accidentally sort of probably should have stuck with Kath, but oh there it is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so when so you sign simple. your books, it must get confusing as to which one you should be signing. Oh, and when people call me Kate as well, I, I, I find it confusing, you know, because people will do that in when they did, yeah, a year ago before COVID hit. Um, mm. They will have um, 
uh, we'll, we'll call me Kate and I find that confusing. So you must have, with the historical fiction, you must have to do a ridiculous amount of research. Is it way more than something like this or or was this actually quite considerable because it was in a whole other country and stuff? Oh, I think I would always do probably about the same amount of research. The historical ones, I think, are slightly different in that they were layered because there were so many. I'd, well, also, I'd already come to the historicals with with about three years worth of knowledge at least because mm. I did well, I did English at degree but actually I did a historical I always did historical modules so so that's like doing history um to an extent so yeah prob- probably about the same and I really enjoy it you know I'm, I, I that's one of the most enjoyable parts of my job like kind of getting under the hood of um with historical it's fun in a different way because I love all those details of finding out you know well what did the what did the average person you know eat for breakfast or mm. <laughs> that kind of thing um so this was this was fun in a different way and i and i loved actually finding out about the um the food the the family i think because mm. the the classic um lds mormon thing is to have a large family that's part of your responsibility really um and so if you're having a huge family lots of kids the food the choices that you're making are, are, are different to how you might if you had two children you know mm. you're, you're trying to feed masses <laughs> mm. um are you still doing work as a travel and lifestyle journalist no I, I've got two small kids now so I, I, I couldn't anyway I don't think I, mm. I couldn't leave them for, for so long but um I, I just I started the writing full-time happened after the the thief take of the first book so I, I'm pretty much um that's that's all, all that I do nowadays I, I did enjoy it though it was it was a great job mm. so when you are in the depths of writing your first draft when you're writing your mm-hmm. manuscript let's take um Black Widows as an example um can you just um give us a bit of an idea of your writing routine for the day like what time you wake up and if there are a certain number of words you try to aim for and you know if you have any rituals that kind of thing Sure. Um, I basically, I used to, I used to have a, uh, 2000 word a day sort of aim, aim oh, for okay. loosely. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I still, I still, but you know, actually what I found was I would, some days I would just, I would end up with some material that I then just had to go back and cut. So it was almost uh, in, inefficient, more inefficient to kind of set myself that, that target, which is quite ambitious as well. Mm. Um, so I, but, but I have, I definitely, I, I do a full day. I get up early. Um, I, at the moment I'm getting up at five 30, mm. um, for various, for, for small, small, adorable children reasons. <laughs> um, but I, I would, um, normally I would work at kind of at eight till, I don't know, eight till one or two. I normally start getting a bit tired and then, and then read in the afternoon. Uh, I, I, I definitely approach it as a, um, you know, like a, like a day job. So I would go in and do the hours, get an amount of writing done. But there is always a horrible period in the middle, I think, of any book mm. where you feel like you're not doing anything and you're kicking around and it feels like nothing's moving. Mm. And so when you say you read in the afternoon, are you reading your own work and editing it or are you reading other work, other people's books? Uh, other, other, at the moment, other people's books. So, And I'm and unfortunate because I get like free, like people send me books in advance you know to read for other writers yes so i i that's that's always fun to see what's kind of what's what's about to be published um and do you some other writers particularly well yeah writers of in certain genres won't read in their genre while they're writing are you like that at all um yes yes ish i totally i i totally get that because i think 
you you tend to absorb someone else's writing style don't you particularly if someone's got a particular style mm. you mm. might find you accidentally start and if you and if you started mm. with one style and then you suddenly start reading heavily in another thing it can definitely impact on it um i, I do and i do it goes the other way too i i will sometimes deliberately read and i'll and i'll often go back to certain books that do things particularly well mm. or, or maybe like i think i had a book that i was writing uh, in a slightly strange structure it was like first person but then also sort of reflecting and and I went back to certain books that I knew had done that and would would reread mm. those um what was the hardest thing about writing Black Widows oh the hardest thing was probably stopping writing it I love stopping that. I writing that it yeah I loved writing that book so much it was so much <laughs> fun and I, there's so much material that didn't make it into the book and it's still quite long um mm. so uh yeah I mean it just had you know if I spending time hanging out with those women for want yeah. of a better metaphor you know yeah. it was just so much fun and and their the way they related to one another and that whole sort of setup I really enjoyed it so was it kind of like a bit of grieving at the end when it, you knew it was over <laughs> pretty much because you know I wanted to write a bit more about the ending and not mm-hmm. to give away the ending but mm-hmm. I, w- I would have liked to write more about um you know the, the continued journey let's say of, of some of those people so what's next for you what are you working on uh, well something quite close to home actually Valerie I'm, I'm doing a book set in Australia really uh, it was, <laughs> yeah I am yeah um and I, I spent a bit of time in Australia in, in, my, in my youth and it's a it's called the lock-in it's about two californian barmaids uh-huh. who take a job in an outback uh miners pub bar uh-huh. and the one of the regulars there's a lock-in and one of the regulars is found brutally murdered and the girls are in the frame as kind of a they couldn't take a joke the banter got too much for them oh. kind of thing yeah so it's kind of a little bit me too it's re- so much that's it's another one i'm really i'm really enjoying writing it. it's so much fun um so there's there's that whole debate as well as which I'm finding really interesting as a woman, actually, someone mentioned to me, and and this has made it into the book, that we never ask ourselves, because a lot of the book is about asking, well, why did, yeah, why did they they do it? And if if they did do it, why did they do it? Why did Mm. they explode? And um, someone pointed out to me, actually, we never asked, do we? Why do do men give women so much grief in those environments? Mm. And I thought, yeah, that's true. We don't. (laughs) So in your research for that, are you looking at long YouTube videos of drives in the outback? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I am but but you know I have I have actually this this time I have actually been to uh, <laughs> I've actually been to the outback um but yeah sure I mean like all, all of those things and there's a couple of towns that I'm kind of converging for, for the for the plot um so it's kind of uh it's not I've not set it on a real town I've kind of taken one two right. three places and kind of made it it's a little bit um undefined in that respect did you have the idea for this Book that you're working on in the Australian Outback while mm-hmm. you were still writing Black Widows or did you do you have to put finish one completely before you can get your brain onto another one I'll often have little ideas pop up I think this was an idea that I came up with I think I had to because I they was Black Widows was being sold and they they normally publishers normally ask for like a second yeah. idea so I th- would have come up with that idea. I, I had a number of ideas, actually. Mm. And, I, and I really enjoy that process, too. As, as, a, as a former journalist, that's what, something that I really, I kind of miss, actually, the pitching process, because it's like gambling, really. You sort of mm. <laughs> send out these ideas, and they're like your chips, you know, and you get some back. Um, so, yeah, that would have been come up with then. And I came up with a ton of ideas, and this was the, the, the winner. And I came up with ideas in based in mountains and deserts. A lot of it's to do with the location. Um, but this seemed to be the 
the, the winner. People seem mm. to like deserts. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Now, when you start off as a journalist, you're writing about fact and it's very, very, it's black and white, literally. Sure, you can be creative about it, but ultimately you're restricted by truth. Yeah. Um, was it a challenge when you started writing fiction to that you could, you were just, I mean, there's so much liberation that it when you're so used to having parameters yeah you know that's a really good question I that's that is true I definitely um uh, particularly interestingly with historical that's less of a thing because it is very fact mm, to an extent yes. obviously while the story is the story but but, but and particularly readers of historical fiction are very very um keen that facts are stuck yes. to um and often feel that they they know exactly how 17th century London <laughs> was at that time mm-hmm. um yeah it's true and it, it, it is a bit mind melting to, to kind of be like wait I can literally make this anything it's it's um it takes some getting used to for sure (laughs) um okay so uh finally what are your top three tips for aspiring writers who'd love to be in a position where you are one day I would certainly um, do the tip of reading reading Save the Cat or a similar screenwriting yeah. type book of, of format and putting that in Scrivener. I found that immensely helpful for kind of um, getting rid of my glitches and my problems. And everybody will do too much in one area, I think, you know, too mm. long endings, too long beginnings. Uh, so that would be my first tip. That took me a long time to discover. The second tip, I would say, if you're a plot-driven person, and I am a plot person, um, that actually all books start with character <laughs> and mm-hmm. um and and addressing your and 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 even books that seem to be about plot will still have a lot of work that goes into making that character likable it took me a long time to learn that to be mm. a, a lot of criticism to be like oh okay that you need you really don't get that this person is supposed to be likable um mm. so that would my my second tip and then the third the third tip on that similar note um would be uh make you have to do something very early on and this is a a save the cat premise to make your character likable Mm. um but don't just throw that in and make that a kind of oh anyone would like someone who would do this it has to be integral to your character it has to be believable that somebody um this particular individual and only this individual would do this likable thing and you will like uniquely like them for doing it Brilliant. Okay, everyone, um, get your copy of Black Widows. When you go into the bookshop, ask for Kate Quinn, <laughs> even, <laughs> even though it's Catherine Quinn. It's with a C as well. It's making yes. it even more confusing. Yeah, C-A-T-E, um, because uh, I have no doubt you're going to enjoy it. Thank you so much for your time today, Kath and Kate. <laughs> so there you go. There was Kate Quinn. But okay, let's just take a moment here. <laughs> I cannot believe that she did her geographical research for her location and setting, etc. Watching other people's dash cam <laughs> yeah. videos on YouTube. Yeah, I don't know. If they I didn't even know that was not, a thing. Yeah, that yeah, a thing. It is a thing. So there's so much because my partner watches dash cam videos. Of course, of course. yes, of course. <laughs> Goodness me, of course. And there are different themes. There are road rage dash cams. And the other day I went down and I said, what are you watching? Because it was a dash, dash cam again. But this was um, people doing good deeds dash cam, but caught on dash, dash cam. And then there was this one. Oh, my God. It was a somebody had stolen um, someone's car and the dash cam, the dash cam kept running. So it it was the entire 
police chase. It was the entire, not just police chase, it was the entire, the, how that man spent the afternoon because the dash cam was running the whole time and the police actually did catch up with him. And um, the last thing you see is the owner who must have been with the police and the police um, in front of the car and the owner noticing the dash cam is on. And this guy had just wrecked the car and had been through this, oh, all of these streets. And the owner goes, oh, got the whole lot on dash cam. And the police go, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Do you know, I have to say, though, it is the adult equivalent of kids watching other people play video games. Oh, totally. <laughs> That's no, right. I, I don't understand that. I, I, I came, uh, you know, came home from somewhere the other day and, and my 14-year-old was sitting there and he was watching some bloke play some game and I'm like, what are you watching? And he goes, oh, you know, tell me the name of the game. And he goes, and I said, do you even have that game? He's like, mm. no. What did they get out it? of it? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. But I think it's just like, um, I think it's just like really like, it's like a meditation almost because the voices just go bloody, 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 <laughs> and you're watching it. Like, and they really do have those kinds of, it is, it, I just think it's like they zone out. But wouldn't it be like more you, fun to, rush. <laughs> but wouldn't it be more fun to watch Game of Thrones or something? Well, he's not old enough for Game of Thrones, well, babe. And like, you know, to be honest, <laughs> no, and they, it, they really don't, I mean, they do watch, uh, particularly my older son, he, he watches probably more, you know, um, TV. Like he's not a gamer, mm. so there's none of that. And he's not really YouTubing um, unless it's music videos. Like he's obviously he's a musician and so it sort of tends to be that. But my younger son is very much into uh, user-created content. So he doesn't yeah, watch right. a huge amount of television at all, not at all. And I can see why, um, you know, when you watch his pattern of you know, viewing, mm. I can see why, you know, TV networks are tearing their hair out because they mm. just aren't watching it. They're not interested. It's really interesting. That is bizarre. I won't, mm. I don't understand. Okay. Anyway, um, we're almost at the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Al? Uh, that's a good, I don't know. Like, honestly, like you could, I know you always like me to have something exciting to say, <laughs> and I do try my best every week, people. I do try my hardest to have some highlight, um, but I don't. I don't know that there's a highlight this week. Look, okay. I'm looking at my diary. Are there any highlights? There are no highlights. Sorry, I've got okay, nothing. okay. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I may well have some highlights, but honestly, I'm so high right now on $27 worth of donuts that I can't think straight. So <laughs> best for me not to speak any further. Um, <laughs> where do we find you online, Al? Oh, you'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at Altate, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at alisontaitwriter. And you, Val, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Make sure you do join us on Facebook. Just um, join the listener community. Search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. Some fantastic conversations and um, people connecting in there. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentercomau slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more. 